This audio presentation is brought to you by the Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary. The BMA Seminary provides accredited theological education for equipping God's people for Christ-centered service and leadership roles with three online degrees available now. We are committed to the inerrancy and authority of Holy Scripture and to making disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information about the BMA Seminary and its online degree programs, go to bmats.edu or call toll-free 800-259-5673. That's 800-259-5673. Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And if you're, you know, we've, we've uh, been looking at Mark all this semester, and we know that, that Mark moves pretty fast and, and, and is kind of a gospel of action, just telling what Jesus did. And here in Mark chapter 11, it spans the uh, first three days of the Passion Week. And of course, as Dr. Helwig mentioned, this is, it begins here on what we know today as Palm Sunday, when he entered the Jerusalem and, and everybody... Uh, Praised him. So let's, let's read the verse 11 verses of Mark chapter 11. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a coat, colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord is in need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a coat tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the coat? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the coat to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and they sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. I'm not going to preach a lot on everything related to the triumphal entry. Uh, We know it's a fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, Going back to Zechariah 9, verse 9, we know it was almost a parody of the Romans when they would would, uh, conquer a city and enter in in a triumphal entry or when they went back to Rome with their their prisoners and and the the things they had had taken in, in war and battle. But I'm going to focus on the last uh, couple of verses I read here, verses 9 and 10, what the people were shouting at this time as, as he entered. Um, you know, the word Hosanna is kind of an interesting word. You know, and you think about words, I think, you know, I think about words and, you know, words can change over time. And even, you know, I'm, I'm only 59 years old and I've seen words change over my lifetime. Back in high school and college, I had a lot of math and science classes. And uh, when 
when we would talk about an impossibly large number, you know, like a million or a billion, there was a number that you know, was said to be the largest number you could conceive of. It was like 10 to the hundredth power. Anyone know what that number was? Ever heard that? It was called a Google. So the first 30 years of my life, a Google meant an impossibly large number. Well, guess what it means today? It's, it's, spelled, it's spelled just a little differently. <laughs> but it, you know, have you, have you Googled today? It's a verb. No, and we Google all the time. And nobody even thinks about what it originally meant as an impossibly large number. And so since the age of the Internet, there's a lot of words that have changed meaning, or slightly, that they can still mean what they did, but they mean something else when it's said in, in a certain culture. Uh, for example, they, they, these are words that today uh, mean something that they didn't originally mean. Uh, for example... Um, when we talk about a tablet, you know, a tablet, you know, it could mean like a tablet of stone, like in the Old Testament. I think of when I was in grade school, a tablet was like a big chief tablet. I know this is a long time ago. Some of you, okay, some of you are that old. But, you know, it was just a, a tablet, it had, it was a tablet full of paper, and you could, it would open and you do your writing, your homework, or whatever on it. Today, a tablet is this. You know, we say a tablet. Most everyone knows we're talking about this. This, you know, electronic device that you can, can have your Bible on or homework or whatever. Uh, other words, like to follow someone. You know, follow someone, that, that used to mean you would, you know, be behind them. They're going somewhere and you're following them. You might be uh, getting in your car. Follow me to the... To, to this, to uh, the restaurant. I know where it is. Follow me, and you follow them. Well, today, a lot of times you use the term "follow." You're really signing up for somebody's social media feed to to see what they're talking about or what they think is interesting. That's that's what we a lot of people think of when you hear "follow" these days. Other words like "cloud." You know, "cloud's" what we've had the past two or three days, and rain falls from it. But somehow it's also something somewhere that, that data is, you know, exists in the cloud. I still don't understand where it is or how it gets there. But there's a cloud of data out there somewhere. Uh, to tweet, you know, that used to be what birds did. But now everybody knows what a tweet is. You know, you, you, can, you can tweet, you know, just easily. Uh, think, you know, other words like swipe, like viral, like friend. You know, friend used to mean something. Now it's just, you know, how many friends do you have? You know, four or five hundred friends? Is that the same kind of friends you used to have in grade school? I don't think so. So you see, words can change over time. And the meanings, you know, it kind of depends on the historical, cultural context. Some things that we talk about when we, we do Bible, inductive Bible study. <clears throat> Look at the context that it's used. And because, and, you know, see, really words don't mean things. Words are just gives you pictures of what you think that that concept is. You know, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of, when you study communication, it's, it's kind of interesting. For example, if, if I was to tell you that, that uh, I'm, I'm thinking about buying a boat. Okay, you all got a picture of a boat in your mind, right? But is it the same picture that I have in my mind? Is it maybe you pictured a shrimp boat out on the ocean? 
Anybody picture that? Probably not, because we don't live on the coast. And I'm not rich enough to buy a shrimp boat. You know, you know seminary professor can so, so that probably entered into no one's mind. But it could have a bass boat that could have entered your mind, you know, because we have lakes, we have ponds, we could go fishing. Uh, could you, you, did you picture a motor? Could have a great big old you know, 100 horsepower motor on it or dual motors or something like that. Or it could be more of what I can afford, a, an aluminum bottom, you know, bass boat, about 12 foot long, about $600 at Academy. I saw sale in the paper. You know. So <laughs> that's, that's a boat. <laughs> so you see, the, the word actually means something to you, and it might mean something different to somebody else. So when you use words, and even when you, you know, read the scriptures and, and see a word in the scripture that, you know, what, what does that word mean? You know, it, it's important to figure out culturally what it meant then, what it means today, and how it can, you know, what, you know why you need to know the meaning of that word. So, <clears throat> that's why I focused on Hosanna today. In verse 9, it says, uh, And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. So what were the Jews saying when they said Hosanna? You know, that's an interesting word. It's not, you know, and it's our word that we, we read is an, actually, it's, it's an English transliteration of the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew phrase. Is that right, Dr. Parsons? That's, that's, what's, that's what's going on here. It's from that, that Psalm 118 that we read where it says, Oh, save. It's two words. Save. I uh, can't pronounce it correctly, but Yosha and then Na. I mean, it's kind of a plea. So, you know, save now or oh, save. Save me. That, that's that's the, the actual uh, Hebrew meaning of the term at that time in the time the psalm was written. Uh, it changed somewhat over the years. The way I understand it, it was, you know, psalms are songs, and it's, they're liturgical, and they're used at various celebrations. And the way I understand it, it was used in, a, say, the Feast of the Tabernacles, and maybe also sometimes at Passover. And, and the psalms were, were praises, and they were praising God. And so the way I understand it, over the centuries, this, this, word, this phrase here had changed to, from just saying, please save, to, you know, salvation. Salvation is here. Here's salvation. We, we are saved in, in, a, in, in that sense. So uh, the, the, they were still, of course, looking for salvation. And, and in, in the sense, the time it was used, the triumphal entry, and we know the Romans were in control, and it was possibly they even had that in the back of their minds as they said it. You know, save us from the Romans. They were looking for the Messiah to come politically to save them. Of course, we know the salvation that Jesus was offering at that time was spiritual and not political. But it, it, it's still, they were, were saying that term. Um, it was, uh, so, so, you know, when, when they were saying, say please, I beseech, they, they were really kind of saying, uh, let's see, I, one commentator, oh, one commentator says that they were saying, hooray for salvation. Hooray, salvation is here. Uh, so this, when, when the crowd met the Messiah, uh, you know, they, they were 
glad, they were happy, they were saying, salvation's here, here here's the, the son of David. They, they were actually, uh, that, you know, Psalm 118, they, they were saying, uh, Hosanna in their verse 10, another line from that psalm, blessed is he that comes in the name of Father David, or verse 9, it says, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Those, you know, those, that's directly from that psalm. So they were praising God because of salvation and that Jesus is salvation. Um, so, and I'm sure you can see the application here. It, it, Jesus provided both kinds, both meanings of the term. From Go back to the original old Hosanna from the Old Testament where it says, please save. Yeah, Jesus is the one that can save. Of course, we're talking spiritually. And then coming to this, this modern, more modern term, and the term that they were using in the New Testament, thank, thank God for salvation. Thank you that you sent salvation. Thank you that I am saved. Uh, you, you know, if you've had EE or EV2, you know that the uh, second diagnostic question, you, know, you ask it at the beginning. Anyone remember what that is? Okay. Some of you know it. Some of you are in it. You need to know it this, you know, next, next Tuesday when you go out. You know. But this, the second diagnostic question is, if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? You know, that's, you know, and, and you're looking for what kind of answer? Looking for a faith answer, right? Not a works answer. You're looking for them to say something like trusting in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. That's the kind of salvation in the first sense that Hosanna is, is the plea for. Please save me. But then when you get to the end of the presentation, you know, if you go through the presentation and, and you're, you're getting them to either tr- have to trust in Jesus Christ or to have assurance that they've already done that, you ask them again that second diagnostic question. And then what kind of, if, and if they've trusted or have assurance, then what kind of response is it? It's that hooray for salvation response. It's, it's yes, I've trusted in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. Uh, John Piper, he did kind of a, uh, in research for this, he did kind of a sermon related to this, uh, talking about the differences here. And he said, uh, the word moved from plea to praise and from cry to confidence. So when we say Hosanna now, it's our praise and it's our confidence in salvation. Um, the Son of David has come. He saved us from guilt, from fear and hopelessness. So salvation belongs to God and, and His Son. And we sing and say, Hosanna. Hosanna to, to uh, verse 10 says, Blessed is he that comes in the name of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. So we, we need to sing that. We need to say that. And uh, when Palm Sunday comes in a couple of weeks, and you know, a lot of sermons will be preached here, and if you're preaching a sermon, kind of re- remember what Hosanna means. And it's, ta- it's all about salvation. And there'll be people that need that salvation. And then there'll be people who already have received that salvation. And so make the point. You know, let them know how to receive it. And if they have received it, let them know that it's a, a time of praise and that it means confidence. It means our hope is in Him.